Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we have been looking over the last few weeks at places in the Gospels where folks uh, argue with Jesus, and we're doing that uh, to learn from him how to disagree uh, with love. And we've seen uh, Jesus arguing with both opponents and friends who brought the fight to him, but this morning um, we're going to watch Jesus bring the fight. So I'm going to read from Luke 11 for us, verses uh, 37 through 44. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. This is God's word and it's given for our good. Let me uh, pray for us. Father, we ask, uh, as we always do, that you would be happy to use this word uh, that we've read together and heard together, that we're going to think and talk about together for a few minutes, to lead us to the word who bears our flesh, who's seated with you, who's praying for people like us right now. Show us the grace of Jesus and change us by it. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Well, there is uh, no doubt that this has been uh, another hard week and difficult week in our life together. Um, the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake in Kenosha, just 50 miles north of where we sit right now, uh, and all of the ensuing uh, protests and violence and destruction and loss of life. These things have posed for us again hard and important questions about justice and race and equality and peace. And these things have also again exposed the thinness of our resolve and our commitment to these things as a people. Hurricane Laura hit the Gulf Coast and left a wide swath of destruction and displacement in its wake, and a death toll, too. All of this, of course, has been happening amidst report of increasing uh, infections, in particular among college students, and that is in turn a reminder of the fact for many parents, many kids, many teachers and administrators that if school hasn't started yet, it will soon, and this academic year will hold challenges um, challenges that are going to be really, really tough to navigate. It's heavy, and it's okay for us to say that it's heavy. We have to. 
And I'm not standing here in front of you this morning with answers. I'm not standing here in front of you with solutions for these things. But I do think that it would be helpful for us to ask, what kind of people can bear up under these things? What kind of people can bear up under these things, not only to get through them, but to give of themselves for the life of this world? Who can do that? And I know you might expect for a preacher to say, well, you know, it's uh, people of faith, it's, it's religious people, people who have religious commitments. But of course, the story that we just read together makes it very clear that it's not that simple. I mean, Jesus in that story is calling out religious people for, for the sins that are particular and peculiar to us. And he is graciously in that story pushing us towards being a people of faith whose lives are not split, whose lives are not divided into interior and exterior and public and private and appearance and substance. And he moves us towards being people whose lives are not split like that because those kind of people are the people who can bear up under any difficulty for the life of the world. And that is who you and I have been created to be. So it all begins uh, with this little dinner invitation from a Pharisee. And honestly, from that moment on, uh, these guys really don't stand a chance of coming out unscathed because Jesus takes the fight to them. Jesus went in and reclined at table. Right from the front door, past the wash basin and to the table, and it is a scandal. So we'll get to why that is in just a minute, but first let me remind us all of, about who the Pharisees are. Um, the Pharisees are this uh, extremely influential, extremely popular nationalist pressure group. Um, And one of the things that they believed was that a lot of the national ills that they were facing could be traced back to the fact that Israel had not made herself separate enough from the other nations. And so one of the things they did in hopes of rectifying that was to preach and to practice this really fastidious and really scrupulous observance of the law and not just the law, but a bunch of other customs that had been built around the law. They made a really big deal out of doing that stuff and they made everyone else who didn't feel lesser. So, you know, I I think we can hear that and, and we can easily sniff out that that's a problem. And, you know, honestly, I think one of the reasons that we can sniff out that that's a problem, if we will be honest with ourselves, is because we do that too. Honestly, that's something that most humans do because deep down inside, whoever we are, whatever place we find ourselves in, being human is to long for things to be good. It is a longing for things to be right, not only in ourselves, but a longing for things to be good and right in the world around us. And so we plaster whatever our version of good and right is all around us And in some way or another, we make other people conform to that or get frustrated if they don't. 
That's just what humans do. <laughs> That's what people like us do if we don't believe or if we forget or if we ignore that there is a source of right and good that comes from somewhere else that we don't need to manufacture. So we come back to the story. Jesus skipping that wash basin um, was about him skipping the really elaborate hand-washing ritual that the Pharisees went through. Um, every aspect of that washing was calculated, how the water would hit your hands and your arms and where the water could go on your arms and where the water was supposed to drain off and even how you dried your hands. But Jesus breezes by all of that. He ignores all of that and he sits down on purpose because Jesus wants this fight. And the Pharisee, you know, he walks right into it. He is astonished at what Jesus has done. So what is the most important thing in this moment? What is the thing that matters most to Jesus in that moment? Well, the thing that matters most to Jesus in that moment, in that astonishment, is all of the guys who are standing around looking at him like he's the monster. <laughs> they are who matters most to Jesus. Jesus loves them deeply enough to tell them the truth. Jesus is not there to be right. He is not there uh, to try to prove his worth in front of them. As the, our Old Testament lesson said, Jesus does not come to break bruised reeds or quench faintly burning wicks. He is there to bind up and to heal and to fan into flame. And I don't know, I, I think about this, I think about this moment, and I wonder to myself, has, have they ever ever felt love like this before? Has anyone ever cared like this before? So Jesus doesn't even wait for them to speak. He sees their astonishment and he says, now you Pharisees, you, you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools. There's no missing what it is that Jesus is laying down. I mean, it's devastating. And I'm, I'm just saying there is no point in ever saying anything like that to anyone unless you care for them and unless you want them to see. And so Jesus' words, our love calling them into repentance, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you, you're divided people. You're divided people inside and outside, public and private and appearance and substance. And that's not what you have been made for. That's not what we have been made for. Don't you know, Jesus says, that the one who made the outside made the inside too? And you know, of course they know that. They know that with their heads, like all of us know it with our heads. But Jesus wants us to know it, and he wants us to really believe it in a thoroughgoing, life-changing way. And that's why he gives us and them the cure. Give as alms those things that are within. And everything is clean for you. This is an incredible grace 
we should talk about what Jesus means here because being, being clean, being good, being right, that's what that elaborate cleaning ritual they had made up was supposed to point to all along, that desire and that hunger. But somewhere along the way, as human hearts like ours are wont to do, the ritual had become confused with the substance behind it. The ritual had become the thing, and their selves had become divided. And church, we tend toward that way all of the time. That's what human beings do. We tend towards that because that's what it means to be fallen. So Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to get at what you really want, if you want to get at what you have been searching for all along, that feeling of clean and rightness and goodness, not only for you and for the whole world, then give yourself to God. He's saying to them, God doesn't want your big show. He wants you. And church, that... (laughs) That's everything. (laughs) And that everything is given to people like you and me in the cross and the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. He takes all of our big shows. He takes all of our big shows and all of our trying to make other people feel weird or ashamed about not liking ours or doing ours. He takes all of that stuff on his back at the cross and in its place. He gives us those things we have been searching for all along, the goodness, the rightness, the cleanness that we have been made for. We do not have to manufacture them. We do not have to work them up. And this is ours by his grace, and we take it up in repentance and faith. And then after that, we live our lives rested and sure and at peace. Jesus makes all things new. He slowly grows us into people who are undivided. People who can bear up under anything for the life of the world. So Jesus gives them three woes. um, And they are all ways of underlining the essential point that he has already made. I think those uh, woes are also a way for Jesus to uh, hold out the invitation to them again to be made new. In Scripture, uh, woes are statements of deep regret. And I think what Jesus is doing here is he is hoping that this awakening of regret will also awaken their desire to return home to a Father who forgives and restores. So we don't have time to talk about all three of them. Let me just talk about the first one. He says, woe to you because you tithe mint and rue and every herb and you neglect justice and the love of God. The critique is the same. He says, you know, you're famous. You're famous for giving away one in every 10 cumin seeds, one in every 10 sprigs of rosemary. You're famous for giving away one in every 10 mint leaves, but you neglect justice. And you neglect the love of God. 
Back at the beginning of this month, Pastor David walked us through another argument with Jesus um, that Jesus had with a guy about the essence of the law, what really matters in the law. And Jesus said it was to love God and to love neighbor. That's what matters the most. And here, Jesus is simply just pointing up the tragedy of neglecting those things and substituting some big leaf-counting show for it. And so it makes me wonder what our big leaf-counting shows might be when it comes to justice and the love of God. That is a deeply important question for people like us to be asking always, and of course it is in particular pointed in the summer of 2020, how are justice and love enacted? And you know, sometimes I feel like we are all of us sunk under a non-stop deluge of leaf-counting shows. Hollow corporate statements, outraged call-outs, all kinds of moral scolding from the left, from the right, everywhere in between. This is the grist of a lot of our national conversation these days, and it does not enact justice and the love of God. But church, here is the good news. Scripture has a strong and powerful and beautiful voice about this stuff. Scripture says that justice and love, they are lived out. They are embodied in our flesh and blood and sweat and tears. They are embodied. Justice and the love of God are embodied by people who, like our New Testament lesson says, hear and then do. Not because we're manufacturing some kind of goodness, not because we have to work up some kind of rightness, but precisely because we have already been given those things by grace. And so people like that seek out others who are not like themselves in order to hear their stories We seek out people who are not like us in order to bear up under their pain and to give them a voice if we are asked to give a voice. We give of our time and our talents and and our resources to families who will definitely struggle to stay above water once the school year starts. We, We give of our hands, we give of our resources, we give of our feet. When disaster strikes, we engage in actual conversations with open hands and with love, with people who may disagree with us about the causes and the solutions for all that is happening in our national life. Church, I'm just saying love and justice, they don't float around somewhere up in the air. They're not just there as ideals. They are embodied They are enacted through your bodies and mine. And so who can bear up under this stuff? Who can can bear up under it, not only to get through it, but for the life of this world? Church, people like us can. We can who have, by the grace of Jesus, been growing into undivided people ready to give of ourselves for the life of the world. Because 
we have access to all of the good, all of the right that we could ever need because it has been given to us by grace and we've taken hold of it in repentance and faith. We are the people who can bear up under this stuff because, as Jesus said, we have given alms of the things within. We have given first of ourselves to him and he has given us everything that we need. Church, that is the kind of life that Jesus was holding out to those really, really religious guys that day at dinner. And that is the kind of life that he is graciously holding out to us. Let's take hold of him by faith for the first time or again. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask that you would help us to hear this and to remember that it is absolutely true that all of the goodness that we as human beings long for, all of the rightness that we want in ourselves and in the world around us, that we don't manufacture it, we don't make it up, we don't have to put on a big show to make it happen. That is your work and you have given it to us by faith in Jesus. Father, help us to remember this and to believe it in a thoroughgoing way that helps us to live lives that are not carved up and divided, but to live lives that can bear up under difficulty for the good of the world. Do that surely for our good, that we would grow up in our faith and do this for the good of the broken world around us. We pray, Father, for Kenosha. We pray for uh, the Gulf Coast. We pray for all of the many families and businesses and, and networks that are suffering under the things that these places have experienced. Father, we pray for our teachers. We pray for our, our, uh, our kids. We pray for our parents. We, we pray for the administrators in schools. We pray for our police. We ask that you would help them to bear up and that you would help us to enact love and justice for them. Father, help us to be a people who hear and do precisely because we have been given everything. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.